0: Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Masked Llama, Andrew Liguori, Retro Overdrive, Ozzy Garcia, Keith Gasper, and Mara. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Hey everyone, Chris Coplin from the Retro Hangover podcast here. And first of all, I would like to thank you for listening to the King of Games 2000. This is a collaborative effort between the Retro Hangover and Region Free Gamers podcast. New episodes will be debuting bi weekly on each respective show. So, if you're listening to this episode on the Retro Hangover podcast, know that a new one will be coming out two weeks after the debut of this episode on Region Free Gamers. And then two weeks after that, it will be back over here on the Retro Hangover podcast and vice versa. If you're a patron, you'll be getting a new episode every week, regardless of which show. Show that you're a patron of as a way of us saying thank you, and you'll be getting it early. Hope you enjoy the show.
1: Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to a very special episode of Retro Hangover.
0: Hello, retro and classic gamers. Welcome to another episode of the King of Games 2000. Today, we are going to take you for a ride while we magically muse mightily and musically to (sighs) Thacko. All right, I'm already out. I am your co-host Chris Copleen. That was a little bit of a delay, and I love it. <laughs> and and I am joined by Shane Dick Dragon
1: Koski as your host. Hi, Shane. Hey, how are you today? I'm 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 doing all right. Um, pending internet, you know, reliability. I think I'm doing okay.
0: Yeah, we're all there. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to recover just from the word Thacko. I fucking hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us from the Region Free Gamers podcast, our very, very special guest, Anthony
2: Ariaga. Arriaga. this is so much fun hearing this live right now
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm also honestly just impressed that chris can effectively roll his r's i'm that
2: to me was the most impressive part of this whole episode yep (laughs) all right we hit the high point
0: bye everybody we stay tuned just pay attention to uh social media (laughs) you'll find out the winner and (laughs)
1: yeah
2: let's go from there (laughs) so how are you doing anthony I'm alright, man. First time on the show, man. Yes, sir. This is my first time. This is like a this is a quite the crossover event right now.
0: It's like the uh, the new age of heroes level of crossover.
2: It's on. It's definitely on Grey's Anatomy ladder, whatever the fuck they call it level right now.
1: This is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take your word for it. On one. Listen,
2: <laughs> I, I see too many commercials. I don't know firsthand, man. <laughs> Well,
1: today we do
0: have a little bit of the match of the millennium for the King of Games 2000. Mm. This is... uh, So before we really get into the two games that are competing today, which, by the way, will be Marvel versus Capcom 2 and Baldur's Gate 2, two sequels. This is going to be a good time. Let me briefly explain what the King of Games 2000 is to all of you, in case you have not been following us. And thank you for joining us, first and foremost. So the King of Games 2000 is where... The Region Free Gamers podcast, who gave birth to this idea with the King of Games 98, and the Retro Hangover podcast are collaborating. And we picked 16 games from the year 2000 that we wanted to sit down, debate, and, you know, make the definitive choice in a very serious and future award-winning series where we are going to declare the winner for the year 2000. Yes,
1: it's a very academic process. Very, definitely.
0: Peer-reviewed, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm totally not being sarcastic right now, even though I am, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to discuss these games on four criteria, which is critical and commercial reception, our own personal attachments, legacy and genre defining characteristics, and what we'd rather play head-to-head. And then once we get through those four criteria, we're going to say, who's going to advance and take on the next game in the next
1: round, and uh, ultimately the decision of what moves on to the next bracket may very well not be based on our answers to the previous four criteria whatsoever. Oh, absolutely not. There's lots of plot twists. Always a plot twist. That's right.
0: you we're always willing to stab a game in the back <laughs> easily, <laughs> easily. Especially if it's, especially if it's called Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> spoilers. Listen,
1: I I already know from experience that Arnie likes to make decisions purely for the drama. So
0: yes, I think he does, (laughs) but I don't think it was in that case. I think there are other cases, but that is specifically not one of them. If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to it. By the way, if you are listening to this episode for free, thank you. Thank you for finding us. We really do appreciate it. But you know what? We do have a Patreon and you don't have to join in if you don't want to. We understand, you know, everyone has a budget. But if you do, just for a dollar a month, these episodes were out a couple months before. And uh, just as a thank you to our patrons. So make sure you stay tuned at the end of the episode. If you're interested in that, we can get you there. Uh, One last thing before we get started. Anthony, how about you just go ahead and briefly plug the Region Free Gamers podcast?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, You can catch us on Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Region Free Gamers. We're all on Twitter, Region Free Gamer character limit does not let us add the s those bastards <laughs> ig region free gamer podcast and uh yeah just hit us up i mean we are on the patreon train as well we uh we do this because of the support we get from our listeners and this is something that we do out of love and uh we appreciate everyone's support
0: 100 and i echo that sentiment 100 as well patrons make the 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 world of the show go round
1: fat bottom patrons make the world go round is what <laughs> i are trying to say
0: if, if you're not a fat bottom patron hey we appreciate we you need too.
1: thick patrons
0: Ooh. get get some yeah. eat some pancakes get some pancakes and bacon and then you can get them <laughs> fat bottom patrons <laughs> all right are we ready to get on our bikes and ride and talk about these games
2: yes sir Hell yeah
0: all right right so What we do first is we just like to talk about the games just in general. Uh, So we're going to kick this off and we're going to start with Marvel versus Capcom 2. right. This game was released on February 24th, 2000 in the arcade and then was ported over to the Dreamcast, like a direct port, 100% accurate on June 29th, 2000. It also had releases on the PlayStation 2 on November 29th, 2002 on the Xbox on March 27th, 2003, and then it was later released online on the Xbox 360 on July 29th, 2009, and the PS3 on August 13th, 2009. It also has an iOS release. I don't know why
2: you'd play that, but it's it I, might said, be there.
1: I can't imagine playing this on a touchscreen.
2: I, no. I have a hard enough time playing anything on a touchscreen, and this would just <laughs> – I, I can't even imagine. I can't.
0: I can highly don't recommend this (laughs) on a touch screen unless you have a Bluetooth. Just you know what? No, I'm not even going to talk. Don't even
2: don't even put these (laughs) ideas out there. People are crazy. They'll do it.
0: That's true. (laughs) They they will. (laughs) So the Metascore from uh, Metacritic for this is 90 with many publications giving it a perfect score with five that they log. Uh, The lowest scores, they had three publications that gave it an 80. However, when the games were released for PS2 and Xbox, critics just decided to slam this game because they said it was a retro game in 2002. And then when it came out for the (laughs) Xbox, it was called an obsolete three-year-old fighting game, which goes to show you how much you can probably trust reviewers and a lot of games journalism. And those reviews are from Eurogamer and IGN, respectively. Of course, we can take these places absolutely 100% seriously at the word.
2: I am sure. Oh. Absolutely. Oh, look at us now. If they could only see us now. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: um, incidentally, the scores did shoot back up and they were re-released online for the PSN and Xbox Live Arcade with 85 and 82. So, yeah, this seems like a game that was definitely it, – it aged well, so to say. And I'm, I'm definitely sure we're going to be talking about that soon. So in terms of sales, the Dreamcast was dead by the time this game came out. Let's not make any bones about it. So apparently the MPD doesn't give a shit about Dreamcast games and how much they sold at this time. And this has been a common problem for a lot of Dreamcast games we've been covering in this
1: tournament. I mean, sure, it's kind of hard to count sales numbers when everybody just had a binder of burned games. (laughs) That's Alleged. true. Alleged. <laughs> Alleged. Allegedly.
0: <laughs> right. Well, yeah. you don't have to you don't have to say that. We're not accusing anybody
2: here. <laughs> Just putting it out there. I might have been a binder guy, but for a little bit, for a little <laughs> bit.
0: When it came out on the PS2 and Xbox it sold 900,000 and then when it came out online for the PS3 and 360, it sold 1.4 million. So sales went up as it got older. So I think that's uh that's pretty much the uh, gist of it, it won a bunch of awards uh, later on for being one of the best fighting games of all time, at least like in top 10 from publications. Also, you can't get this game anymore because yeah. it was taken off. It was taken off those online services in 2013 because Disney is a bunch of gritty bastards.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's funny because I went I have it on my Xbox 360 and mm-hmm. I assumed that I would have it on the Series X. I assumed that it was like ported over as a backwards compatible game. But it wasn't, and that makes me sad. I mean, I still have it. I just got to plug into 360, which, I mean, you want to talk about retro right there. That's
1: it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is a 15-year-old console. 16. 16 at the is time. Is it really it.
1: 16? 16 years old, man. I mean, I'm just saying that my 360 still has a prominent place on the shelf directly underneath my TV right now. I don't know if that says more about me than anything. No.
2: Nah, it, I, it, I think you're I are Okay. Yeah, like I'm just still settling into this move, so I just haven't gotten to it yet. But it needs to be out all the time for situations like this when I want to play Marvel vs. Capcom 2.
0: So Shane, what was it like for you when this game came
2: out?
1: Wow, crazy that you asked me that, Chris, because uh, I sure <laughs> did see this in a lot of arcades, let me tell you what. Uh-huh. Uh, but apart from that, <laughs> I mean, listen, man, if you've listened to this show enough, you know that I am not a fighting game guy at all. I am categorically awful at them. The only one I am even marginally competent at was Mortal Kombat 2 and that's because I played a lot of it on my Super Nintendo and I am pretty sure that if I went into an arcade I would still get my ass handed to me. They're just not my thing. Um but it's I mean and this will factor into our discussions a little bit later but I mean Damn, th- this game is ubiquitous, though, right? Like, even if you weren't a fighting game guy, it was kind of hard not to know this game existed. I mean, it was, and in a lot of cases still is, like, everywhere. Like, you can still see it in some arcades now. So, um, but yeah, that's... I I, I was sort of, like, tangentially related to this game at best. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Anthony? Um, This...
2: This was um you know it was like a weird it was weird because like there's this window of time where Street Fighter two came out and everyone was waiting for Street Fighter three to come out but they had like the alpha games and then they then they had the the Marvel superhero versus then the versus games came out when this game came out I remember there being just a lot of hype for it and it was I remember seeing kids playing this and I say kids they were like probably my age at the time but um. (laughs) They were, this was an arcade like magnet, like people were surrounding this machine and I was never one to even attempt to go into that circle. (laughs) I did not want to be embarrassed (laughs) in an arcade, but man, (laughs) it was like watching a freaking concert, man. Like people would just crowd around this machine taking turns. I was in Queens and I would like walk by, there was like this strip on Queens on main street and they had all these like game shops, you know? And right next to one of them was this, uh, you know, a nice size arcade. And man, those Asian kids did not fuck around, man. They <laughs> were at this thing, and it was just—it was one of those things where I was too intimidated to actually step in and play. But it was great to watch, especially at the time when you know we're talking a uh, 2000, where a period in time where arcades aren't really doing that well, or just on their right. last mm-hmm. leg. So. It was nice to see uh, at least a last hurrah, I guess, with the with Marvel versus Capcom 2 just kind of revitalizing arcade play for a little bit there.
0: Yeah. Unlike you, I never saw this game in the arcades when it was a new game in the arcade. Like Shane said, you go to a lot of arcades now and it's, it's in those arcades, especially mm-hmm. locally here in, in Jacksonville. I think there's two arcades that have it. At least I know one that does. In terms of arcades, I I didn't – I just don't remember seeing it. I remember seeing X-Men versus Street Fighter a lot more. If you're a fighting game fan, at this point in time, if you love fighting games, if you had a Dreamcast, you were in heaven. Yes. This is probably like the apex point of fighting games in terms of like classic and retro fighting games. Just so much good stuff coming out. So you get to Marvel versus Capcom two after already getting Marvel versus Capcom, which was just amazing. You got, uh, what, like King of Fighters Dream Match 99, which was actually King of Fighters 98, which was a fantastic port, which was only really reserved for almost arcade perfect ports for like the Neo Geo AES. You weren't getting that at home. Now you're getting it on yeah. your Dreamcast. Soul Calibur. All these amazing games that are arcade perfect ports coming out on your Dreamcast and yeah, Marvel versus Capcom 2 was the sequel in the versus series that no other consoles were getting and this is something that dated back to the Saturn. Yeah. Something that Sega fans could always hold over Nintendo and Sony fanboys. Be yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you guys you guys have the people buying it, but you can't swap out your <laughs> characters. <laughs> your,
1: your consoles are alive, but I mean <laughs> this game. So
2: <laughs> that was um and you know the thing was too is that it you're talking about the game came out of the arcades and like four months later you had it at, at home on a perfect a perfect port of the game. This was oh, unheard yeah. of. This was just bananas at this point, and It's probably why, like, I just didn't even try playing it in the arcades because I was like, well, I guess I could play this at home in a few months and not embarrass myself.
0: The good news is, too, by the time I got to this game, King of Fighters and Marvel vs. Capcom had already made blisters in my thumb so thick from the sharp (laughs) edges of the Dreamcast controller, the D-pad. Yeah. So the calluses were there to play this game 100% properly because I didn't have an arcade stick. So if you did, lucky you, if you remember playing at your Dreamcast with an arcade stick. But man, did my thumbs kill me. But it was worth it.
1: <laughs> yes. It was worth it. I don't know, man. Just like the fact, and again, even being like a not a fighting game person at all, ju- just the fact that, uh, you know, th- this this game used in the arcade, they didn't use the the boards that they had used for the previous You know, games, even in the series, actually, as far as I'm aware, where the cabinet was basically using that souped up uh, Sega Naomi board. And then that's kind of what allowed that arcade perfect transfer to the Dreamcast, because even though the Dreamcast's hardware was not quite up to the same standard that the arcade one was, it was basically the same you know, sort of form factor and that also allowing, and this is the thing that blows my fucking mind. And I'm sure this was something that at the time people, I assume were like crazy about was the fact that it allowed players, as you had mentioned briefly to transfer their, their progress data from the arcade to their home console and back and forth. That's just, that's blows my fucking mind that that's something that you could even do at that point.
2: That was, that was like Neo Geo level like a few years before and now it was more like attainable. You know, what you weren't breaking the bank to do stuff like that. And yeah, that was crazy. That was a sick feature if that was, you know, if you were in the arcades and you had it at home. Yeah, that was amazing. Not to mention in Japan, but in no other region,
0: they had online play. So they mm-hmm. were playing this online in Japan through the modems that were with your Dreamcast. So online competitive fighting game play in Japan, I know it's not the first one, but it's still mind blowing that in Mm -hmm. 2000 people were doing that with a home console, something that you typically only really think about happening on a PC in the year 2000.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, is, can you just imagine just think about it for a second that with, with the sort of like pseudo RPG esque you know, XP system that they kind of introduced into this title that kind of facilitated the unlocking of additional like characters and, you know, cosmetics, et cetera, et cetera, you know, in the era before egregious amounts of DLC. Can you just like imagine like the flex factor of somebody just fucking rolling up into an arcade with their save data and like throwing that shit in the cabinet and then them just being like, yeah, Check out what I got,
2: bitches. (laughs) There was, I was reading somewhere that uh, when the arcade techs came to like do something with the machine, like let's say pull out the quarters or whatever, that like they would get hounded by the people there to just hit the switch, unlock all the characters. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently it worked a few times. because these guys are just, it was like a glorious moment where they got to play with every single character in the arcade. Nice.
0: Yeah, this was Smash Ultimate in 2000. It didn't have every Street Fighter character. Like, obviously, it's not going to have every single Marvel character. But what it did do, it it brought back every single Marvel character that had been in a fighting game from Capcom before. Because I was super hyped that Gambit was back. Mm -hmm. Like, finally. Like, he was an X-Men versus Street Fighter, then he was gone. And the added benefit is if you were a fan of the cartoon series, like X-Men or Spider-Man, they sounded exactly... Like they did in those animated series, mm-hmm. and those were a big, big deal for us 90 ki- '90s yeah. kids. Absolutely. So having everyone there and the massive roster—was it 56 fighters? Yep. Total. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you yeah.
1: start with 24 and then you unlock 32 more. That's <laughs> insane.
0: Yeah, it's like Smash Ultimate levels of, of gaming right there. And this is what 18 years before Smash uh, Smash Brothers
1: Ultimate comes out. I think the funny thing, though, as you mentioned, they're like, yeah, and like not every Street Fighter character is in there, but for some, I I, I sort of question like <laughs> some of the roster choices that went into this game, just because there's some like there's some like deep cuts on this oh, roster, yeah. like Sanson, Sanson. Sansan, I guess. Yeah, I'm not even pronouncing it right because I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> it's like a monkey character from one of their like mid 80s titles that I don't know anybody that remembers, but he's in there. And also there was a couple of characters that like allegedly, I don't I don't think it's ever been confirmed, but allegedly were like cut Darkstalkers characters that just ended yes. up in this game. So Ruby Hart. Yeah, well that was one of them, yeah. And then there was the whatever the the anthropomorphic cactus is. Domingo. <laughs> yeah, that one. Or Amingo.
0: One of the sure. two. Amingo a, a or Domingo. I'm not sure. Yeah. He's weird. I don't like playing as him. Ruby Hart's not bad, though. All right. Do you have anything to add, Anthony? No. I mean, it was just... I'm, I'm sure that we'll get more to it. Go yeah, ahead.
2: Yeah, I kind of want to save some stuff for the other discussions, but... I got you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're just like...
0: Just, just hyping over this game, so. it's, it's
2: It's easy to get just lost in this right now, and we still got another game to talk about, so... Yeah, and that game is Baldur's Gate 2.
0: Uh, That was released on September 21st, 2000. Really high Metascore of 95. Had nine publications, according to Metacritic, or major publications, that gave it a 100 score. With the lowest was just a single publication that I have even never heard of called All Game Guide with an 80. I have no idea who they are. It also had releases on Mac uh, in September of 2001. And then later it got an enhanced edition in 2013 for the PC and later releases for iOS again. Sucks. PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. And I believe it got a re release in 2010 with good old games with some DRM free uh, release, if I'm not. uh, Yeah, I
1: believe those were the DRM free versions of the enhanced edition, I want to say. I think. Uh, No, it would be be the original.
0: In either case, I know it's been all over the place for a, for a while. As of 2007, this is the last update I could find in terms of sales, and this was as per BioWare. It sold approximately 2 million units, and I don't. it's really vague on whether or not that number includes the expansion pack. Uh, it got a ton of awards uh, for the year 2000, including Role Playing Game of the Year from GameSpot, GameSpy, and IGN. And we have already established IGN is the most reliable of sources. It also got the Reader's Choice Game of the Year, which I think is significant from GameSpot in 2000. I thought that was really interesting Mm because GameSpot seems to be more of a console-centric kind of website. So that's, that's crazy. Eurogamer gave it its best game of the year in 2001 because it didn't come out in Europe until 2001 because Europe gets everything late. (laughs) And it got a lot of uh, top 100 game lists. Of course, they come out very subjective. Not really going to get into that. Frequently considered to be the best D&D role playing game ever made. And I think it's 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 worth mentioning that this game did win RPG game of the year on a lot of publications the same year Diablo 2 came out, which is also in our tournament this year. And I think that's really worth stating because Diablo 2 had the hype. It had the reviews. Baldur's Gate getting that um, getting that recognition is nothing to sneeze at. So this was a in terms of the critics, this was a big, big, big deal. Shane, uh, what was what like? What do you remember of it coming out and everything like that?
1: Yeah. So interestingly enough, you would assume that this game would have been something that myself and most of the people that I associated with at the time would have been all over and yet somehow we were not and the the more I think about it honestly I think it's because at least <laughs> at least for me um, this got overshadowed by diablo 2 i'm just gonna be honest with you (laughs) like if i had to make the choice between what i was playing in the year 2000 as far as an rpg goes it was gonna be diablo 2 and that's coming from somebody who sunk a lot of time into the first baldur's gate i think it was just a timing issue honestly is really what it is but yeah uh, this one it kind of oddly enough it kind of passed me by
2: how about you anthony yeah, this this one just didn't even pass me by. It just didn't even come near me. But cause I did I just I didn't have a PC when this came out. It was, I was I'm not still not a PC gamer, but I will say ironically, I we had this we had the the first game in the ninety eight tournament, and I wound up voting for that game because of all the just just trying out the game a little bit, just getting some feedback, just reading up on it. It was an amazing game. It really just did something special to the genre. And then it, like you said, Shane, it's it's the timing, cause it was like two years later, right? We're talking two years later. Here's a sequel. And but you got Diablo 2 out there. They did exactly what they needed to do with Baldur's Gate 2 in terms of just like enhancing a lot of stuff and 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 making it better, you know, make it just improvement basically, just an improvement on the sequel, which you're supposed to do. But uh, yeah, I I don't remember hearing about it as much as Diablo 2 back in 2000.
1: Well, and and it's not even Diablo 2. Like, I, I pointed this out in our notes, too. And it had a lot of competition in that year. I mean, anybody who was around at that time anyway, you kind of know that 2000 was a pretty, pretty hype year for games. I mean, that's part of the reason we're doing this anyway. Icewind Dale came out the same year <laughs> as this. And the fact that you had two licensed, you know, D&D second edition games coming out from two pretty major studios by that time, you know, Black Isle was working on Icewind Dale and anybody who is into CRPGs in that era, like, you know, Black Isle is like one of the names that you hold up there alongside, you know, Bioware and and some of the others. And so to have Icewind Dale and Diablo 2 come out in the same year as this, which Again, not its fault, but is a sequel to another game. Like that's that's some serious competition that you're up against. Yeah, and
2: like Chris said, and, and for it to still come away with all those awards, that's oh yeah, you know that it's
1: it's definitely notable. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I kind of look at this game because my experience echoes a lot of what you guys are saying. You know, it's I played the first game, I enjoyed it. I heard a second game was coming out. I was extremely hyped for it, and then other games just took priority. You know, it's just, there's a lot of other games. Maybe I'll get to Boulder Skate down, maybe at some point, maybe. But there's all these other games I'd just rather be playing. Maybe it was because the first Baldur's Gate was very deep and very involving, and Icewind Dale was out there, so you really need Baldur's Gate too. But the real interesting thing
1: is, I don't know anyone who's played it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, because even... Myself being, you know, more of the the Western RPG aficionado, whereas Chris is is generally the the master of the JRPG. I I I I didn't know anybody either. <laughs> like <laughs> seriously, really weird. I I didn't know anyone who talked about this. Like and and again, I know I feel like we're already shifting things in a certain direction just by the way that we're talking about these two games, and I don't want that to be the case, but. it it, like real talk. Like if you were to talk to anybody or I, even when I talked to someone around this time, the conversation always revolved around like basically either Diablo two, uh, Icewind Dale or, and not necessarily in the year 2000, but if you're talking about like the early aughts, Mm. never winter nights is one. If you ask anybody, what are what are the RPG games that you remember fondly from this era? Those are always the ones that come up with maybe Planescape Torment somewhere in there occasionally, but this one, like n- no one ever mentions it, and I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because it got somehow overshadowed in people's memories by you know more original IPs, quote unquote, like Neverwinter and Icewind. Granted, they're based on D, but you get what i mean so i don't know it's it's a really weird situation i'm with you i don't know
2: anyone that i know one person that played it actually and that's the irony of it all it's my son <laughs> he he wasn't even born when this game came out and he's gone he's gone back to this game several times and that that, that got my attention like oh Yo, you really into this game and he's he's yeah, he, he thoroughly enjoys this game. He he enjoys both games, really. I, I hear that stuff, and I'm
0: sure, like, there's definitely a dedicated base to Baldur's Gate. That's why this game is in this tournament, because oh, like, yeah. there's, there's a lot of games that I think should be in here and are not in here. So it got the support from our, our two groups. <laughs> Icewind
1: Dale wasn't in here.
0: <laughs> I, I, I hear you, but there's blame Paul. Th- between uh, – Yeah, <laughs> I blame Paul all the time for everything. Just blame Paul. <laughs> But uh, you look at some games that remained out and you see Baldur's Gate in there. Obviously, it has enough love to be in this tournament. So it's not like nobody played there. So nobody recognizes what it does. But I I can't get this lingering feeling that Baldur's Gate is almost like that Oscar movie that wins best movie of the year that absolutely nobody watched.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think it's just and let's be honest. This is going to factor into the conversation later when we start talking about our category picks, but like my gut feeling about it. And I feel like uh, certainly this won't be the first or last time during this whole King of games run, but we're probably going to catch a little bit of hate from somebody about this because there are a lot of very dedicated Baldur's gate 2 fans out there. Like to the point where there are some people that call it their favorite game of all time period ever. Um, which I don't begrudge them that decision at all. It's a fine game for sure. But I, I feel like in a year where there were so many other PC RPGs, um, or even in an era where there were so many PC RPGs, a game that basically was more Baldur's Gate maybe doesn't stand out in, in a lot of people's memories um, as opposed to the other ones. Now, to its credit, I mean... Baldur's Gate 2 had a lot of pretty great improvements over the first one. I mean, the largest of which was probably the story. And that's not even to say that the first Baldur's Gate had like a bad plot, because it certainly wasn't. Um, It was incredibly involved and very intricate and exactly what you would want. Um, But the sequel goes even deeper than that and tends to weave a much more complex you know, character-driven narrative, which, as we all know, is something that bioware very quickly became famous for um and then in more recent years has totally dropped the ball but that's a different discussion and so i think that's its biggest strength and the other thing just from like a mechanic standpoint and i'm i'm going a little into the weeds here but just stick with me there's a couple of things that i think are notable one of which is divisive and one of which generally isn't the first that's not typically very divisive is Baldur's Gate 2 solved a problem with Baldur's Gate, which was BG1 had very few, relatively speaking, enemies that you would face over the course of like an 80-hour campaign. So it tended to get very monotonous the further you got in because you were just fighting the same enemies like over and over and over again. And from a story perspective, it made sense. But from a gameplay perspective, it got a little tiresome. And then Baldur's Gate 2 kind of blew that wide open where there were many, many more enemies straight out of the D&D Monster Manual um, to face off against that were not in the first one. And that helps to vary the combat up quite a bit. Now, the thing that I've seen that tends to be um, the more divisive one is the combat style. And if you're not very familiar with You know, these CRPGs specifically from Bioware and, you know, Black Isle, you might not even notice the difference, but coming off of Baldur's Gate to the sequel, um, they approached combat very differently where like Baldur's Gate, you really had to rely more on scouting out areas and relying on your ranged attackers more because both of these games are unforgiving, even on like normal difficulty. But the balance of the first Baldur's Gate kind of necessitated less melee combat just for survivability purposes. Whereas BG2 was actually a lot more like Icewind Dale in that you could pretty reliably just buff your party with protection spells and then just jump into the fray in melee and you'd be fine. And in many cases, that was actually the preferred method. So there's like... One camp of fans that really liked the more like methodical and tactical combat that kind of came with the first game, and then there's the other camp that thought that you know the buff and go sort of approach was an improvement.
2: Everything Shane said just it it, it rings true, and it's such a great game in that way that it just so refined everything from an already excellent game just in just two years prior. So. This is going to be a this is going to be a lot tougher to decide than people might think it is than w- while they're hearing this but you know we give <laughs> we give it the fair share I say. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I think this means it's time to take a quick break before we get to talking to the criteria about these two games. And yeah, I think it's undeniable that these two games are essentially looking back at it now the pinnacle of their genres when their genres were firing at all cylinders. So I, I think this is going to get a really interesting debate moving forward. And when we get back, we'll get into that criteria. So see you in a bit.
1: Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part, no added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly B-I-T slash RHP Bones. That's bit.ly slash
0: Welcome back, everybody. I hope you had a good break. I hope you did some stretches and enjoyed yourself. Maybe had a quick beer and ordered some coffee. Ew, both? What? Beer, beer-flavored beer coffee or coffee-flavored beer. <laughs>
1: beer-flavored co- There you go. That a only stout. works one way, man. <laughs> I'm all about a coffee stout, but don't you be pouring your brew into my fucking coffee cup. You don't know. You're the one who drinks Fruity Pebble coffee, okay? Uh, It's delicious <laughs> and also... We, we, you can buy it by going to our link, Chris. <laughs> Bit.ly/slash Bones. Anyway, they just they just heard that. I had no Stop idea it. this existed. This coffee. Yeah.
0: No, we'll talk to you after the show because yeah. I don't want to chill out. I'm. We already done that enough. I'll I'll definitely <laughs> drop that link. <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to the criteria section of this show. For these two games, once again, to just recap what criteria we're going over, it's the critical and commercial reception. We also have our own personal attachments. The legacy and genre-defining characteristics, which one takes that for the year 2000? And which one would we rather play today, head-to-head? So let's kick this off uh, by choosing which game is going to win the critical and commercial reception category. So how
2: about you take it for us, Anthony? I mean, they were both highly rated games, man. Like, this is just... It's like picking straws right now, man. A joint—is it picking straws? A joint picking hairs? Uh, sure, I—I I
0: screw up all the time. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're I'm in I'm good errors. company right now. <laughs>
2: drawing straws, drawing. Yeah, yeah I, I can't remember. Anywhere.
1: people in glass houses sink ships. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> man. No, no, But these games—I mean, come on. These are some of the highest-rated games. You know, I'm gonna—I'm gonna go with Baldur's Gate on this one. I think, given the competition that it had that year, and to come up with these scores. I think it says a lot about that that team that that put the game together. I think it says a lot about BioShock I, t- I think it says a lot about the fans and how badly they wanted to play this game and I think it met the expectations too. I mean, I just feel like it was just a it was a tough hill to to go to go up that year and and they kind of just they kind of nailed it.
0: Okay. How about you, Shane?
1: Uh yeah, you know, I'm I I'm kind of on board with Anthony actually. I mean, you know, to their credit, as he said, they're both incredibly highly rated games. I mean, obviously, otherwise they probably wouldn't be in this bracket in the first place, right? But I think, and, and of course, this is basing purely off of what I've heard from the two of you and from other sources. And so you can correct me if I am wrong because there's a good chance that I might be. But it sounded to me like this uh, MVC two, kind of came out at a time where maybe there was a little bit of a lull in, in the fighting game scene and that like people were kind of waiting for like the next big drop. And so when you take that and kind of stack it up against something like Baldur's gate two, as Anthony mentioned, it had some real stiff competition in the character RPG category, specifically on PC at the time and to go up against the likes of not only Diablo 2 but also another D&D second edition game in the same infinity engine by the way uh in Icewind Dale and come out on top like almost without question because i mean if you look at it it's like nine outlets gave it a perfect score which is insane Plus the sales numbers. Now, granted, it was a little sketchy trying to get accurate sales numbers for MVC Two, just given the nature of what that game was when it came out. Um, But two million units in two thousand on PC for like a hardcore D and D RPG—that's pretty impressive. So, uh, so yeah, I got to give that one to Baldur's Gate.
0: First of all, I'm gonna kind of counter you on your your fighting game perspective. It's not high. that there was a lull. It's that fighting game fans were extremely spoiled and they were <laughs> waiting for the next Street Fighter 2 or Tekken. Even when they got Soul Calibur. And then they're like, oh, we got Soul Calibur. What's the next Soul Calibur? Right. Yeah, because fighting games at this time, I don't think there's as much high quality fighting games being released at the same time than in this like two, three year period right here. Mm-hmm. The amount of fighting games like at high quality, all time great fighting games are incredible, and I'll get li- I'll get to that later on in the episode. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting time for fighting games. I think it's more because the arcade was dying. I think that's what was really impacting that with fighting games. With that being said, I tend to agree with you two in terms of critical and commercial reception. Look, it, fighting games were just kind of viewed as fighting games because there were so many of them. And, you know, not everyone's a great fighting game player. I mean, you even look at how they're regarding fighting games less than three years later, and how they're viewing it. And it's just like, oh, this is old shit. We want to play Tekken, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? That the contemporary view of Marvel versus Capcom is much different uh, than than I think it's it's been viewed today. So if you go back to 2000, yeah, I mean, Baldur's Gate has to take it. It got not just like RPG of the year from Game Spot from the fans. It got Game of the Year from people who. We're reading the publication, not the games journalists. We can shit on games journalists all day long. And you know what? I highly encourage it in some cases. But <laughs> these are the people reading the website. These are the people on the site. Like I said, GameSpot has always been more console friendly. So you look back to 2000, you can't find the sale figures for Marvel versus Capcom 2. Maybe not a lot of people bought it. I mean, it was on the Dreamcast, and a lot of people weren't buying Dreamcast anymore at that point, too. They were moving on to PS2. But not a lot of people may have been buying it then. Not a lot of people really, you know, a lot of people were hyped for it, but maybe not as many people as you would think. And people like were hyped enough for Baldur's Gate 2 to get it. And like you said, Shane, like I said earlier in this episode, it beat out Diablo 2 in that year. And that is no small feat on the PC because everyone loved Blizzard. You're talking about a company that released Warcraft 2 to critical acclaim, Starcraft to critical acclaim, Brood War was one of the biggest expansions of, you know, most well accepted expansion packs of all time.
1: And is still considered to be the game to play in competitive Starcraft.
0: Yeah, like it was a hell of a release in 1998. I can't imagine any game beating that that year, especially an adventure <laughs> game.
1: <laughs> We're not talking about anything in particular, though.
0: No, <laughs> no, no subtle digs. <laughs> but um yeah, to beat out a game that had the reputation of Blizzard behind it in essentially its own genre, mm. you can't say that any other game is going to win critical and commercial reception over that at least critical it is so hard to do that so yeah i mean the critical and commercial reception in my opinion goes to baldur's gate and i think that makes it a clean sweep for that category yeah it does
2: baldur's gate was up against it and they they still did it they went right they went right through that wall so they Mm -hmm.
0: props to that shit man so next criteria personal attachment shane how about you start us out with this? It sounds like it's this is going to be tough sledding for you, not because you know you're <laughs> torn between the two, but just because of lack of anything towards either.
1: Yeah, this is the polar opposite of our discussion of D two and Deus Ex. So yeah, I it's a tough call for me because I genuinely don't have really any personal connection to either of these games. But if I had to give it to to one of the other. It's going to be Baldur's Gate, and that's just because it's an RPG that's based on the D&D license on the PC in the year 2000, (laughs) which if Diablo 2 hadn't come out, I probably would have been playing this until my eyes bled, but instead I was doing, you know, Mephisto runs for, you know, uniques. So there you go. But uh, yeah, I mean, my personal attachment to Western RPGs, you know, just sways me in that direction like without question.
0: I'll go next on this one and if you couldn't already tell in 2000 as I've stated in previous episodes I'm going to be a broken record on this. The Dreamcast was my console of choice and I worshiped at the throne of the Dreamcast. Not only that, this was like the one of the last few years I was an active fighting game fan. And I I was big into fighting games. I loved fighting games and this fighting game just it gave me everything I wanted. It gave me, like, Mega Man. I could fucking play as Mega Man. That was, like, fucking cool. And, like, all the Marvel characters from, like, Saturday morning cartoons. So, yeah, I'm going to be a- attached to Marvel versus Capcom 2. I had a blast with it. It's, it's my childhood all wrapped up. It's like a, a culmination of the 90s wrapped into a game. So even if it wasn't a fighting game, I, my personal attachment would be off the scales with this thing. It could be a shitty tactical RPG, and I would still have a higher personal attachment to this. How about you, Anthony?
2: I mean, I'm I'm with you. Like I was all Dreamcast, and this was just another example of like a fuck you to Sony. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) yeah, you ain't getting this shit like this. Perfect. I mean, I just I just have so many memories. And it's not it's not that I didn't like I never I didn't play Boulders Gate, you know. So this is all I was this is all I was experiencing, and it was just the arcade scene and and just being able to just get a perfect port of the game a few months later. This was this was it. Like This is this is when you were getting the best out of 2D fighters right now in the arcades. And it was nothing like playing it at home with your friends. And I was leaning toward Marvel vs. Capcom 2. But then I see my son. And he's playing Baldur's Gate. And he's loving this game. And he's going back to it. And I'm just paying attention. And I'm playing it. I'm, I'm picking up the control. I'm playing it with him. And... Even though this game deserves its proper PC uh play play style, like this is not a game meant to be played on a console. I feel like this is on a PC, what rightfully so. Is there something real special about still seeing this game being played today and and the enjoyment that's being being received from this game? So with that being said. Fuck that. I'm going with Marvel vs. Capcom 2. This shit was just the best. The 3D fighters, the 3D fighters were coming hard, man, but this game was holding firm. So just like Baldur's Gate was holding on to that throne for the uh, critic reception, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was those games that's was holding off that 3D onslaught that everyone wanted. Everybody just wanted 3D, but Marvel vs. Capcom 2 just made you just kind of pause and say, wait, we're, not, we, we're still good here. We should, we should stay here. This isn't bad. Are, are you sure
0: it's not an obsolete three-year-old fighting game oh like of, course, of course it is yeah
1: <laughs> Why <wouldn't> it be? <laughs> i don't know he he had me in the
0: first half i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah he, he he had me going down that route you know you go to the you go to the kids and i'm like Shit.
2: oh man i was gonna be like they're like yo no, man just watching this boy grow up like
0: this <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right so personal attachment goes to marvel versus capcom 2 all right, I'll take the lead on the next category, which is legacy and genre-defining characteristics. And, you know, as I said before the break, this one's a little bit tougher because these are both definitely refinements on previous formulas. Uh, these are definitely the apex of their formulas. I, you know, it's really hard to say either of these, it really improved beyond these two games. And, and Baldur's Gate... Definitely the formula, I think, may have been improved, depending on who you talk to, because this was Bioware's last game before they moved on to Knights of the Old Republic and eventually Mass Effect. And I'm a huge fan of Mass Effect, the entire trilogy. I haven't played KOTOR. I'm sorry. If you hate me for it, go right for it. This is, you know, continuing to lay the groundwork for what Bioware would continue to do, which make fantastic Western RPGs. So that's there. I mean, you could say that the legacy and the genre-defining aspects of it are there. And a lot of people to this day, like you said, Shane, still consider this to be their favorite game of all time. And this is considered to be the best D&D, like pure advanced Dungeons & Dragons second rule set video game incarnation ever made. That being said, you look at Marvel vs. Capcom 2. And as I said earlier, I get into the other fighters that came in this year that are not in our tournament because there are tons of fighters that came out this year. Street Fighter 3 Third Strike considered to be one of the best two D fighters ever made, not in our list. Power Stone Two, one of the best arena fighters ever made, not on this list. Tekken Tag Tournament, you know, one of the biggest game series right there, got released, not on this list. Capcom versus SNK Two Thousand. The most anticipated fighting game by fighting fans, like probably ever, not on this list. Why is that? Because Marvel vs. Capcom 2 defined a fun fighting game that could be for casual and hardcore. Was it balanced? Fuck no, it wasn't (laughs) balanced. It was the furthest thing from balance, but it made things simple. And that's his legacy, like the simplicity, the execution and simplicity. And that's that's something you wouldn't really see really push the forefront again with fighters, because like like shooters, they focus more on the hardcore audience and trying to really cater to them and and get into the nitty gritty like, oh, if you execute this and you have to wait for these frames and if you block on this attack, it's a it's 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 punishable. And whatever crap you want to hear from Maximilian dude on YouTube, who's who's good if you like fighting games, by the way. You would look at the simplicity, you wouldn't really see that again until the mortal, the, the more recent Mortal Kombat games on the PS3 when they started getting good again. So I'm torn on this. I know my personal bias is going to be with Marvel versus Capcom 2, but considering that Capcom didn't really build on the foundation they had here, and BioWare did with its future releases and focusing on, and moving forward from lessons learned they did with this, streamlining it, bringing it to consoles, and I'm going to argue it goes with Baldur's Gate. For for the legacy, how about you, Anthony?
2: Man, so right, like both sequels both made improvements on the original, but I feel like Boulder's Gate just for all the reasons you just said, Chris. Like it's it's just, it just makes sense. Like it's just it's it's held up. It's considered by so many, and it's bioware, um, and just like I said before, excuse me. <laughs> When I see my son playing this game, <laughs> it just it does something to me. But <laughs> I just now nah, I'm gonna go with Baldur's Gate because and I I actually I'm gonna give it I'm just gonna I'm gonna let my son sway me on this one. Seeing him play this game right now. Um I love I love Marvel's Capcom too. It was a, it's a great experience. But this thing right here, man, just especially in the D&D crowd, to hold such a to be on that upper echelon of D and D games, if not the top, is just something that you know should be noticed, should be should be appreciated. So I'm
1: going to go with Baldur's Gate. All right, Shane, how about you? I did not expect any of this. I just, I just want that to be noted. <laughs> <That> I <did> not <laughs> Expect that to go that way at all. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk about mvc2 first so i'm going to echo a lot of what you both said in that based on what i understand from kind of being an outside observer and just general sort of like knowledge osmosis from existing in the gaming space for as long as i have um i feel like i can confidently say that mvc2 is generally considered to be more or less the pinnacle of 2d fighters for a lot of people having said that, I honestly am not sure. And, and there might be some like very particular mechanics stuff that someone who is a fighting game head could totally call me out on. And I 100% encourage you to do that. But I, from what I see, I'm not sure that it really defined anything for the genre. Because um, it seemed to me, you know, based on what I've looked at and kind of some of the research I did into this prior to this recording was that a lot of the mechanics and gameplay elements in MVC2 are simply carried over from previous iterations um, or improvements upon, you know, past entries in, you know, the versus series and, and whatnot. So I'm not sure that it can necessarily take credit for defining anything in the genre. And so by that same token, though, When you talk about Baldur's Gate 2, in a way, the argument is kind of the same. So as with a lot of other games that are in this competition, even, you know, this is also a sequel, of course. And in many ways, it is definitely considered to be an improvement over Baldur's Gate 1. But again, I I honestly don't think it can be credited with much legacy, kind of in air quotes, um, or responsibility for defining... Elements of like the character RPG genre. Baldur's Gate one did that. Then there's no question about it. BG one was, has been rightfully considered to be the thing that exploded D and D based RPGs onto the scene. It and there were certainly games that came before it, of course. And we talked about that pretty much at length in our, you know, D and D video games episode but Baldur's Gate was really the one that put it front and center. And so if I was going to give credit to anyone, it would be Baldur's Gate and not Baldur's Gate 2. And keeping in mind, you know what I said earlier about talking to people, you, if just statistically speaking, if you go and talk to any RPG fan and say, hey, what, what are the games that you remember the most from, you know, the, the early 2000s in this genre, they're going to tell you Neverwinter. Icewind Dale, Planescape Torment, D2. Almost no one brings up Baldur's Gate 2. And so having said that for both of them, I'm going to be actually the one that I did not think this was going to happen, but <laughs> yes. I'm going to be the outlier here. And I'm <laughs> going to go with MVC 2. And the reason for that is I genuinely don't believe that Baldur's Gate 2 has the same widespread appeal that Marvel versus Capcom 2 does. And a lot of that is rooted in the fact that at the end of the day, Baldur's Gate 2 is still a faithful recreation of second edition D&D rules with a paper manual of over 180 pages that in and of itself is basically a small player's handbook from D&D itself. It's a dense game. And so did it sell a lot of copies? Yes. That also just means that there's a lot of D&D nerds like me out there. But that's the thing is that I feel like the appeal for this game is largely, and of course there's outliers, but largely lies with more hardcore RPG nerds, whereas MVC2, I think, appealed to a much broader audience. So I'm giving it to that.
0: Wow. All right. That, that's, that is really interesting that the two Dreamcast fighting game nerds pick the RPG and the D&D <laughs> nerd picks the fighting game.
2: This is why it gets yeah. so damn tense, man. This is why. Oh, God. I'm so hurting this is right nuts. now.
0: I love it. I, I love this. This is so much fun. Speaking of fun. Let's move on to our final criteria before we you know, decide who advances. So again, this is going to be head to head. We got to stress this isn't us picking which game advances. This is just us saying which game would we rather sit down and play today? Mm-hmm. So, Anthony, we're going to start off with you again for the final criteria. Which one of these games would you rather sit down and play?
2: I mean, this is going to be quick. If I head to head, I would rather sit down and play more of a Capcom 2 right now. It, it brings me and i've said this before that you know like when i'm looking at these games but it brings me the same joy i had playing this game back in 2000 that i have now except with better liquor <laughs> <laughs> and i i didn't play baldurs gate and that's not a bad thing cuz we've gone through this like just going over head to head how these things would match up but i feel like just now it's got the playability it it it's uh, like you guys were mentioning it's it's for the casual it's for the hardcore all this gate is really for the hardcore so um yeah i'm just gonna go more with Marvel's capcom 2 head to head I and mean, it, it's just what i would rather be playing right now and when i sit down and play this game and we've like I, I did on a previous episode it immediately transports me back to when i played it for the first time so it's it's just there for me nostalgia wise it's just there shane
1: uh yeah this will probably be pretty brief for me also um Even though I know that I would be signing up for like an 80 plus hour endeavor, (laughs) I would still rather sit down and play some Baldur's Gate 2 than MVC 2 just because I don't want to feel bad about myself and playing fighting games makes me feel bad about myself because (laughs) even the computer whoops my ass. And (laughs) so I just want to shoot some kobolds in the face with some arrows. So. (laughs) You know
0: what? This one's actually a little tougher for me. I think I'm still going to end up at the result I, I thought at the beginning. But it actually, like, it makes me think because, look, I didn't play Baldur's Gate back in 2000. And I have never played Baldur's Gate 2. So, like, knowing my taste in gaming and knowing that I've learned how to play Bioware games since 2000, I think I could be able to sit down with Baldur's Gate 2 and have a good time. That being said, no, fuck no, it's Marvel versus Capcom 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a game where I know I could play the single player mode, pick my favorite characters from X-Men versus, you know, from, from the X-Men and pick my favorite Capcom characters, get that blast and nostalgia and be done with it in 30 minutes and just hope my PlayStation 3's hard drive doesn't die. I know I'm going to have a good time. And it's going to be over quick. And I don't need to spend too much time on it. So, yeah, if I'm playing it head to head, I'm going to go at Marvel vs. Capcom 2. As intriguing as it would be to play Baldur's Gate 2, I just don't know if I want to dedicate that much time to it. And you know what? I, I don't like second edition DD. If you do, Shane, I'm sorry. But, you know, I, I've enjoyed the more recent editions much better. I, I don't
1: at all. I, <laughs> listen, <laughs> we, people joke about Thacko for a reason. Like, that... That system, while it was something that was great at the time for what it was or whatever, is fucking inscrutable, man. Like, 3rd edition did D&D some huge fucking favors.
0: Uh, yeah. And 4th edition, that doesn't exist, right? It just went from 3rd to 5th?
1: uh yeah there was 3.5 and then pathfinder came out and then some weird thing about like mmo style D happened i don't know i didn't really listen to it much and then we had fifth edition so there you go all right sweet yeah
0: yeah i like fifth edition i don't mind fifth edition Baldur's gate 2 is not fifth edition no it's second it edition not. okay so <laughs> There we are. It takes the head to head. So before we get into which game we are going to choose to advance in the King of Games 2000, let's briefly go over the criteria as we have debated here. So critical and commercial reception goes to Baldur's Gate. I believe it went in a clean sweep. Personal Attachments goes to Marvel vs. Capcom 2. We had the legacy genre-defining characteristics going to Baldur's Gate in a weird, surreal kind of (laughs) flip-flop. And then we had head-to-head going to Marvel versus Capcom 2. So right now, they're like, in terms of criteria, they're even. It's going to be a deadlock. And this is where we take all that shit and we just throw it over our shoulder and say, fuck it. None of it matters. Which game is moving on in the King of Games 2000? Normally, I would start with our guest. But because I continually shaft Shane in the episodes in which I host, (laughs) Shane, you can go
1: first. Great. So... Okay. Full disclosure, I went into this episode fully assuming I was just gonna say Baldur's Gate 2 all the way, no questions asked. And then as I spent more time getting familiarized with the, you know, the the history of both of the games and some of the details around them and whatnot, um, that became a lot muddier. <laughs> and as we've had our discussion, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth. Um, So here's the thing. I think a lot of people who are familiar with us and familiar with me know that I am very much an RPG guy. Um, It's one of my top genres in in video gaming for sure. Uh, Having said that, I can't shake the fact that I, I, of all people, did not play this game. I did not play Baldur's Gate 2. Um, which I feel like says a lot. And I I think it's because there was just so many other games and granted it got the critical reception hundred percent, but there were so many other games competing in this particular category at this time that, you know, I I was kind of telling Chris offline about this, that my personal timeline of games around this time was I played a butt ton of Baldur's Gate. I transitioned into playing Diablo 2 a lot. And then I probably played Diablo 2 as far as like RPGs go, probably almost exclusively for quite a while. And then when 2002 rolled around and Never Winter Nights dropped... I was on that shit and then we got real deep into Neverwinter which for the, for the record by the way my argument would be that Neverwinter Nights was actually the best D&D game but that's a different discussion for a different day. So I just totally skipped this one and I feel like that says a lot. With that in mind and taking into account as I mentioned uh a few minutes ago about, you know, the Widespread appeal that MVC2 has and still, or had rather, and and still has to this day, like the fact that you can see MVC2 cabinets in arcades and in a time, by the way, where like people have to be pretty choosy about which, which cabinets they're going to include in their arcades these days because it's not like arcades are like a a big thing, right? But like MVC2 is there. And the fact that it maintains that level of popularity even now in what goes against everything that I stand for as a human being, I am going to say that I am actually going to give this to Marvel versus Capcom. All
2: right, Anthony, how about you? So th- this is a lot tougher than I thought, man. I thought I was going to I – I came in expecting to be convinced the other way, and it and it happened, unfortunately. So here I am. I, I let me see. How do I begin? Because the, these are both both sequels, both improvements on the original, both arguably the best in the genres to this day. So it's like, man, it's so cut down the middle. But I gotta go. And Shane, man, you made you made you made some excellent points, and it's it's great hearing it from you who totally wasn't expecting to even like Marvel's Capcom 2 on this level, but both games had fierce competition that year. Both games kind of just kind of came out on top. It's amazing to me though how Marvel's Capcom 2, even when it was <laughs> declared dead back in 2003 or whatnot, um, <laughs> still manages to resurrect itself somehow. and you're still seeing tournaments being played with this game. And something something that was really funny to me when I was reading up on Marvel Capcom Two was that I didn't know this, but apparently there was a big rivalry, <laughs> a East Coast West Coast here in the U.S. of Marvel vs. Capcom Two players, which that's nuts. Yeah, I'm like, how does how does that happen? <laughs> so. Uh, but you st- you're still seeing this in the arcades I still love playing this game it's it's a it's a bananas game it's a, it's just insane and it's age both games actually have aged really well I mean you can pick up any of these games and and still feel like you haven't missed the last 20 years but my heart's gonna go with Marvel's Capcom 2 actually no my head is going with Marvel's Capcom 2 but my heart, it's kind of with Baldur's Gate, man, but Baldur's Gate 1, I voted for that one in the 98. I just, it, it, it's just kind of, it's not enough of a, a jump for this one. Marvel's Capcom 2, it's, it's a more of a jump. It was more of a jump from the original to this one, slightly, but it's, we're still playing this game. Everyone's still talking about this game, and it's become even more popular now, so I'm, I'm going Marvel's Capcom 2 head-to-head.
0: So, like, th- that makes it easier on me. So I don't have to worry about it. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think, you know, when it comes to Baldur's Gate, you guys you guys make some really fantastic points. And I think we've made some really fantastic points as to why Baldur's Gate 2 should justifiably move on in, in most situations. I just think one of Baldur's Gate's biggest problems this year, one, it was the competition. But the competition it was up against, even, even in its genre, if you want to talk about any RPG Baldur's Gate's not a catchy game. It's not addictive game you can just pick up and get into. It's not something everyone is just going to be like, I need to play Baldur's Gate. That's not what that's not what someone who casually plays video games is going to be into. You, you look at like Diablo 2, which a lot of people picked up and love because it has very catchy, addictive gameplay. Even you look at the other JRPGs that came out this year they put you right into the action. Baldur's Gate, it's it's layered. It's deep. It's too deep for your average player to really get into and appreciate. Whereas you have Marvel versus Capcom 2, even if you have a passing interest with fighting games, you can pick it up. If you put it on the easiest difficulty level, you can still have a great time. Like you can say, I want to be Wolverine and Iron Man and Cable, and you can do that. And beat the shit out of, I don't think it's Apocalypse, I think that's X, X-Men, but you can you can just beat the shit out of all these Street Fighter, Capcom, and Marvel characters, and do it really quickly and be on with your day. And like you said, people are still playing this game to this day. When it came out on the online stores, you know, Xbox 360 yeah. and PS3, it almost sold more there than it had in <laughs> its entire life, mm-hmm. its entire lifespan. Yeah. The fact that, you know, here in Jacksonville, Florida, there's two arcades that have it. And it's the only two arcades I know. It's becoming one of those machines you have to have in your arcade to give it legitimacy. Mm. You don't have to play Baldur's Gate 2 to have any sort of RPG legitimacy. But you do do have to know what Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is. It's just one of those things. It's just, you know, especially a lot of these games that we've talked about, Video game culture ubiquity, whether it be casual or hardcore or especially when it crosses over, has been very important to deciding game that advances. So, yeah, I mean, I'm giving the clean sweep here to Marvel versus Capcom, 2, And just like you, Anthony, my heart is for Baldur's Gate, 2, But everything else is pointing in the direction of Marvel versus Capcom, too. and And even with my I, I'm trying to put my own personal bias to the side. I can't even do that. Uh, there's just too much there. Nostalgia, the high quality of fighting game that it is. The fact it's still up there and people are still playing it, like you said, Anthony. Man, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I don't. I can't see me picking Baldur's Gate in any other situation. It's like Okami, except Capcom continued to give a shit about Okami. <laughs> True. And Bioware just kind of moved on.
1: Well, I was just saying. And, and the other thing too, you know, not to like com- be completely contrarian or anything to to what Anthony said, but from my perspective the other thing honestly is that i actually think mvc2 holds up way better than baldur's gate 2 does uh, at f- both from a visual perspective and that is totally a credit to the amazing sprite work that went into that game and just generally speaking sprites tend to hold up far better anyway Oh yeah. um then you know the sort of isometric shit that you get with baldur's gate 2 like honestly even the enhanced editions they're they're still rough to go back to. They really are. Like yeah. they they don't look great. Um, they have not aged well. I I popped in the enhanced edition and it it, it was like oh, okay, huh? Yeah, this is it, interesting. You made, it kind of makes you wonder what part was enhanced. Actually,
2: <laughs> they kept they kept the enhanced version real because like they didn't even they didn't update the full motion video. Nope. Nothing. They just kept nope. that shit. It was like small like letter box <laughs> Like here's your intro. <laughs> But like I've I've just watching videos of just like act, people actually playing it on a PC that can, I mean not that it's like you need a powerful PC to do this right now, but just considering yeah I mean if you look at visual visual wise man I mean yeah Marvel vs Capcom Two is just far superior in terms of just people maybe they're making games now still in the style of Marvel vs Capcom Two in terms of artwork, oh, yeah. and yeah, that's that's that's. that's that's because it never goes away. You know, sprite work never dies. It, they they try killing it, but it never dies.
0: <laughs> sprite work is the best work. Oh, yeah. It's true. So there you have it. Our winner for this bout here will be Marvel versus Capcom 2, and it will go on to the next round where I'm sure it's going to have very stiff competition. And many of you Baldur's Gate 2 fans look I think we did a really good job. You can yell at us. You can light us on fire on <laughs> on wherever you want to. That's fine. We probably deserve it. But you know what? Decision's final. It's moving on. And that's that. So before we really wrap this up, once again, hey, Anthony, go ahead and plug the podcast, man. man. Just just go for it.
2: Knock it out of the park. Well, thank, thanks again, guys, like, for having me for the hopefully the first of many times that I'll be on the podcast. No pressure. Um, absolutely but definitely wow, you can he's
1: just <laughs> inviting himself over. Okay. Yeah. What are you talking about?
2: I added myself to your Discord channel. I'm in, baby. I'm an admin. <laughs> Shit. Um <laughs> uh, no, but definitely
0: when you start talking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, this, is, this has been, this tournament's been a, it, it's going to be, it still is a labor of love for both of us, for all for everybody involved in this. Definitely catch us on Region Free Gamers, a retro hangover. Definitely check out both podcasts, subscribe to both, like us, give reviews. It all helps in, in promoting our, just our platforms, man, and we can keep doing stuff like this. But Region Free Gamers, uh, if you want to check us out on Discord, hit us up, send us a message. If you, you can find us on Instagram, read your free gamers podcast. You can hit us up on Patreon. Thanks for the support, man. Really appreciate it guys.
0: Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for, for being here. And you know, we look forward to you being on plenty more shows and especially moving forward with this, with this series, the series has been a lot of fun. Mm. The second round's coming up fast. So it is. You know, everyone buckle up and hold on to your seats. I think we're going to have some, a lot more fun. So Shane, how about you take us out?
1: All right. Well, uh, as we are wanted to do, we'll also plug our stuff real quick. So if you're listening to this and that means that you've found us, so hi, hello, welcome. We're we're glad that you're here. Um, If you're listening to this earlier, then as Chris mentioned, you are probably a patron, in which case we are eternally grateful for that. If you're listening to this on our main show feed, then that means that you have the option to become a patron if you would like to do that. And so if you are interested, please head on over to the beautiful URL that was suggested by our very own patrons, as a matter of fact, gorpfans.com. That is G-O-R-P-F-A-N-S dot com. You can choose the donation tier of your choice. And as Chris said, for as little as a dollar, it gets you access to a lot of really great bonus audio content. And the higher you go, the more you get. So um, please feel free to check that out. Uh, We would also just love to chat with you. We have our public Discord. We've got a really great community going on in there. So uh, if you would like to stop in and say hello, then you can do that by going to bit.ly slash RHP chat. That'll give you an invite into the Arcade Floor channel. uh, And then you can kind of just go from there. Um, and then, of course, last but certainly not least, we do have the merch store open. So if you want to grab yourself an a Eggplant Dragon t-shirt or something like that, you can go to bit.ly slash RHP merch. Uh, Chris, you got anything else you want to cover?
0: Yeah, sure. So 9 o'clock Eastern time, we do Twitch streams, unless the Wizard in the Sky decides to punish us for living in Jacksonville. And it's just uh, for Internet. So. Yes. So... Yeah, we do have that. But if, if we're all good, yeah, go there. It's twitch.tv slash retro hangover. And we'll be streaming stuff. Um, Sometimes Shane does adventure games that really grip people. And it has nothing to do with the episode that we've had. And we've had some pretty good traction at the time of this recording. That's true. So, yeah, head over there. You never know what you're going to find. And the the people chatting there are really cool. So head over there twitch.tv/retro hangover and if you're not able to catch it, you can find that on our YouTube channel. So just go to YouTube and look up retro hangover and you'll find us there. And uh, we hope to see you and look forward to that.
1: Fantastic. Well, with all of that being said, until next time
0: play with your ride taken joysticks.